challenge you to memorize. Um, it's good to memorize scripture. It's a discipline that, um, that I think we're, in some ways in the church we're losing because we have Google. Uh, and it's easy to just go, I don't need to memorize it, I'll just Google it. Uh, but there's great power in memorizing the scriptures, God's word, because I found in my life that when I memorize a passage, that there's, there's, there are moments when I'll face a temptation or... or um, struggle with something, God will bring a verse to my mind that I've memorized. And it, man, it's just, there's just power in that. First um, Peter 3.15 is a, is a verse that I, I would challenge you to memorize. It starts out, in your hearts, set apart Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give a reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. And, and you know, it's this, uh, th- that, that's a really important verse because we're to, we're to naturally be able to give a reason for our faith all the time. And, and one of the challenges that I hope we get, if you're a mom or dad, uh, if you're a grandparent, um, we ought to be normally giving a reason for our faith to our children. Mom and dad, your, your kids ought to understand the reason you believe in Jesus and why you believe the Bible. Um, because we're having to navigate. We have to help our kids navigate these false beliefs that are in the world. I mean, there's some, fall, there's some wrong teaching around us. I mean, nice people that teach the wrong things. And it's important for us to have the ability to say, here's why I believe this. That there are people that don't know Jesus around us. And there's a reason for our faith. And, 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 and you know, for me, there, there are many reasons why I believe in Jesus. You, you know, one of the reasons why I believe in Jesus is, is our faith in Christ is it, it's historical. It's not just this, um, uh, you know, this blind belief that our, our faith in Christ is based in history. And, and, and this is important. Jesus really walked the earth. And, and you know, the resurrection was an event in history. So, so it's, you know, it's not subjective. Uh, it's, it's objective. You know, it, it, it was a moment that happened. Like, for example, if I were to stand in front of you and, and try to convince you that Abraham Lincoln was the first president of the United States, I, I could be persuasive, I could be, uh, you know, uh, uh, motivating, but I would be wrong because history has proven that George Washington was the first president of the United States, Right? Because that's historical. It was a moment in history. Well, Jesus entered human history. The resurrection was a moment in history. Now, now if Jesus could rise from the dead, I mean, he walked the earth, said, hey, I'm God, and then he died, and he conquered the grave. Okay, so if that really happened, it's reasonable to go, okay, well, he's got to be God, because only God could do that, right? So one of the reasons I believe in Jesus is because it's historical. Another reason I believe in Jesus is, is the Bible continues to prove itself. 
in my own life, in the world, in archaeology, in, in, in prophecy. Prophecies are coming to pass. And, and, and these prophets that were giving the, given these messages from God, it comes to pass. And, and so there's, that's a reason that I believe in Jesus. It's reasonable. You know, it's not, I don't just have to go, well, I prayed about it, so I got, so I believe in it. No, I, I yeah, I pray about it, but, 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 you know, the, the, it's reasonable, the, the prophecy, these, um, just the Bible in general. I mean, think about the scriptures. You know, there are two books of the Bible that, that one of Jesus's brothers wrote it, J, the book of James and the book of Jude. Those were Jesus' brothers. Now, I have a big brother. My big brother's name's Mike. And if Mike was walking around saying, hey, uh, Chris, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me, I'd look at my brother Mike and go, dude, shut up. You are nuts. You're wacko, man. But if Mike died and then rose from the dead, I'd go, okay, okay, maybe so. Okay, Mike. Now, Mike did not do that, but Jesus did. And Jude and James, they write in their books, I am a servant of my Lord Jesus Christ. That's one of the reasons, the Bible is one of the reasons I believe in God. I have faith in Christ. Another reason that I have faith in Christ is just how the Holy Spirit is at work in my life. I have experienced answered prayer. I have experienced strength when I was down. And, and, and these are part of the reasons for my faith. And so I pray that, that we are able, and we are, we are not only able, we are passionate about sitting down with our, our, our kids, our families, our, our neighbors, our coworkers, our uh, people that are around us, to, that, that, and we give a reason for our faith. We should be able, all of us, this is what followers of Christ do. Now, um, what, I, what I love about, um, about the book of Acts, it, it's such a cool book because, you know, when we started the book of Acts, um, it, it starts in Jerusalem with this small group of guys that, that watched Jesus live and then they, they saw him ascend into heaven and because he, they watched him die and then, then he rose from the dead. They were convinced, okay, you are God. What do you want us to do? And then Jesus said in Acts 1 that, look, I'm going to give you power. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you, upon you, and you're to go to the world, Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, um, to the ends of the world to be my witness. And so these guys are like, all right, we'll, we'll do it. And they did. And they've done that, and they've gone. Uh, and, and the book of Acts is so cool. It starts with this small group. And then we see this incredible expansion of the gospel, I mean, the book of Acts, just, it just explodes all through, starting in Jerusalem and then goes to uh, uh, the, the province of Asia. And, and, and we're watching as, the, as we walk through this book, the missionary journeys of Paul and, and how the gospel is just rapidly spreading. And it's really cool. And, it, and, and now we're right here in Owasso, Oklahoma, we're, the, we're part of that expansion, because this is where it happened. It, it started from Paul's missionary journeys. The Gentiles came to Christ. And, and now here we are in 2018 still talking about Jesus. And it's cool that we're a part of this. We're part of this story. And it's important for us to know how it began. Now, what I love about the book of Acts 
is these, in these missionary journeys, you get to see Paul in some different settings sharing the gospel. Like, like we've talked about, we need to be ambassadors for Christ. We need, to, we need to go be a witness to people around us. Now, these missionary journeys are pretty cool because, because you see different approaches with different people in, in different ways to share the gospel. Now, I love, I love it. I just think it's a, a really cool thing. So we're in Acts chapter 17. We're going to be through, starting verse 16, we're going to read through 23 together, but we're going to go through the end of the chapter. So would you stand with me and let's look at God's word today. It's really cool. Acts 17, verse 16, if you're new today, one of the things we do, we stand in honor of God's word, just as a statement that, look, this is God's word, not ours, and not my word, it's God's word. And, and so after I read God's word to get today, I'm just going to make a statement this is the word of the Lord. It's just an obvious statement. It's the word of the Lord. And, and, and would you just say, praise be to God after that? It's just something, I think it's just cool to be a part of that stating the obvious. Verse 16. Now while Paul, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him. And he saw that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him, and some said, what does this babbler wish to say? Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. And he took and he took him, and they, excuse me, and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Now, all the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So Paul, standing in the midst of the Areopagus, said, Men of Athens, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. For as I passed along and observed the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. What therefore you worship as unknown, this I proclaim to you. And this is the word of the Lord. Thank you. you. May be seated now. Now, what a cool moment! Uh, this is an important moment because um, Paul goes into Athens. Now, if you um, know much about Athens, and you probably do, all, all of us have had this exposure in school of of the pantheon of of Greek gods and Zeus and and all these things. Athens was kind of the headquarters of Greek mythology. And, and so Paul goes into the city of Athens, and, and, and I think it's really interesting because Athens, Athens is, at this point in Paul's life, it's kind of in this period of decline, okay? So people are like, yeah, okay, we really don't know that Zeus is, the, is as popular and all this stuff. But, but the reality is there was, this was the, a center of, of thought and philosophy and, and religious belief. And, and Athens, Athens was full of all the thinkers. So it's the smart people. It's the people that have been to school. And, and so it's kind of intimidating, I don't know if you've ever been in that moment where you're like con confronting or talking with people that, are, that have been to school a long time and you think, oh man, they're really smart. 
or, or they've really, they're, you know, uh, they're an intellectual giant or whatever. This is full of intellectual giants, and Paul's like walking in. And, uh, and, and so it's interesting, look at verse 16. Now, now, while Paul was waiting for them at Athens, he's meeting his companions, his spirit was provoked within him as he saw that the city was full of idols. I love that. I love that idea that, that he was provoked. I mean, when's the last time you've been provoked? I mean, someone's provoking you. I mean, pushing you. His button was pushed here. Now, we've all been on uh, vacation, right? And, uh, and we, we went, on, uh, went to Israel this year. And, uh, and I was telling our tour guide, I was like, we really don't look like tourists, do we? <laughs> and we totally, I had the khaki pants and, and, you know, my badge on and I had my camera out, my phone out. I was taking pictures and, and we, you could pick a tourist out a mile away, right? And we've all been in that tourist mode where we're spectators, What's interesting about Paul, I mean, Athens was a tourist destination. People went there to gawk and to look at all the stuff. And, oh, my goodness, look at these look at these statues. There were many that would say about Athens, it's easier to find a god in Athens than a man because there were statues of gods everywhere. But I want us to notice something about Paul. He walked into the city not as a tourist but as a missionary. You know, you know what I feel like sometimes in the church? Sometimes we walk into our world with this wow moment. Wow. Look at uh, what the world is like. Man, wow, they're messed up. And we come with a, with a spectator mentality versus a whoa. Whoa. We need to do something about this. You, you, know what I, you know what I think that one of the problems in many of our churches, even Baptist churches, because you know the Baptist churches, which I, I, I'm proud of, our, of what we do as Southern Baptists. Do you know that, that all over the nation, Baptists are in a state of decline? And I, hear, I, I see a lot of churches that are in this, uh, this wow mentality. Wow, look at all these. Look at our culture. Wow. When we really need to be like, whoa, let's do something about this. That, that's the kind of church I pray we are and who, what we need to be. And Paul was provoked. I pray that we're full of people that are provoked. When I look at our kids, my kids, I want to be provoked to say, look, I want to shape you. I want to reason with you. I want, I want to tell you why. I want to walk with you why belief in Jesus is important. And I know parents, I meet parents that go, well, I'm going to let my kids decide. Well, that's really dumb to just say, oh, well, let's let them figure it out. I mean, I didn't do that with their driving, right? That's, that'd be dumb. I mean, I might have, some people might have thought that with, with my son. If you know the story of my son, I won't throw him under the bus today. But, um, but, but you know what? Um, uh, we should be reasoning. And, and we should be provoked. I love it that Paul's provoked. Let's let that sink in. Verse 17, Paul uh, is, is provoked. He, he goes in, verse 17, so he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and the devout persons 
and in the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. I love that because, because when Paul goes into Athens, he, he does what is normal. And you see this all, his pattern, we see it all the time. He goes into the synagogue. He goes to the religious circles. And, and he's like, look, I want to impact the religious circles. He sets a really good example for us here. And I want us to catch it. He goes to the religious circles. And, and you know what? This is why I pray that we influence churches, that, that we come here and share the gospel, that we are without a trying to influence religious circles, Christian circles in our community. Paul went in and and influenced religious circles. But you know, he also influenced um, his marketplace. You see that? He went into the the marketplace every day with those who happened to be there. And you know, as as a Christian, we are to infiltrate all Christian circles and church circles, religious circles. We're also to infiltrate the marketplace. Paul does this. And this is why we can't check our faith at the door when we go to work. This is why I love the ministry that's being birthed out of our church, follower of one, because it's a, it's a passion to go to the marketplace to influence where we work. This is why I love seeing our kids as they say, well, look, we're going to support my one. We're going to go to school as a missionary. We're not going to go as a wow, but a whoa. We're going to do something about this. And Paul goes into the marketplace and and he not only does this, he confronts the, the civic circle. So, so we're, as a church, we are, we are trying to influence our churches around us. We're trying to influence the marketplace. We're also striving to influence the government. I don't know if you've seen the news, but, but I would say our government needs some influence, right? Right? And we should be going sending believers into the civic places, And we should be involved. And that's what Paul's doing here. Verse 18, it's interesting. Some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers also conversed with him. So, so these, uh, these are, this is the place, uh, well, the Areopagus, let's, let's keep reading. And then these philosophers, these smart people, they, they say, some said, what does this babbler wish to say? I've felt that way before. Have you ever felt that way? You're talking to somebody and, and you're trying to be a witness and they're looking at you like, you're an idiot. I mean, I've felt that way. And, and yeah, that doesn't feel good. But, but sometimes as a Christian, when we feel that way, sometimes we stop talking. And you know what? So what if somebody looks at me and says, uh, looks at me like a babbler? I don't care. We shouldn't either. Come on, we got better self-esteem than that. Let's be a little tougher than that. Paul didn't just go, oh, he thinks I'm a babbler, so I'm going to stop talking. No, he didn't say that. He keeps talking. I pray we're that way. He's provoked. Others said, he seems to be a preacher of foreign divinities. So they missed it. They didn't understand him because he was preaching Jesus and the resurrection. I mean, Paul is saying, hey, look, fellas, Jesus rose from the dead. You need to know about that. That was a big deal. It's a big deal that Jesus rose from the dead. Uh, Verse 19, and they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, may we know what this new teaching is that you're presenting. Now, now it's interesting, the Areopagus, this is the center of, of political culture. This would be like going to the Oval Office. This is like going to D.C. and saying, we're going we're gonna to rub shoulders with these decision makers. And, and, and you know what's interesting is they were like, okay, hey, look, we, we need to hear this guy. And this is what happens when a, a person, a follower of Christ says, I have a reason for my faith. Even a lost world that looks at us as a babbler goes, all right, 
since you're for real, I'll listen to you. That's exactly what happened. Now, here's what Paul understood about human nature. Point number one is this, is that that every person is searching for meaning and purpose. You know that, right? This is why we can't be quiet. This is why we've got to uh, embrace this push that that we're to to share the gospel with as many people as our age. Because every person that we meet is searching for meaning and purpose. Every one of them. I was at a family wedding Friday. And I rub shoulders with some people that are successful financially. But, but you know what? It was so, Jesus is not a part of their life right now. And you could see the emptiness and that, that doesn't fill them. It doesn't last. Every person is searching for meaning and purpose. Now, it's interesting as you look at the Stoics and the Epicureans. Let me tell you about them. Uh, uh, the, the Epicurean uh, philosophy, see if this sounds familiar today. Okay, Epicureans were these people that, that meaning was found in pleasure, in materialism, in fine living, in freedom from pain. Okay, These are people that said, live for the moment. These were people that had the idea that, look, there's, there's nothing after this life is over. You just live for the moment. You party, have fun. That was the Epicurean philosophy. That, and it was, most of them were atheists. Most of them were like, look, there is no end to this. Just, you know, let's get rid of all pain. Let's just party it up. Let's live for pleasure. Do whatever feels good. Whatever feels good, do it. Do you hear that today? Absolutely. This is the, hey, let's seize the day. Let's, uh, um, let's, make the, let's just have fun, live in the moment. And, and that's, that was the Epicurean philosophers. Uh, the, he also found the Stoics. These are, these are uh, Stoic philosophers that, that were, they were looking for meaning and knowledge in personal discipline, in self-control, in human reason, in, in self-sufficiency. Think about that. They were looking for reason in, in, in their own work. They pulled themselves up by their bootstraps. The, the reason is found and in, in meaning is found in what you can do in your own power. It's like Oprah, right? Oh, you be the change. You be, you have within you the, the ability to do it all. You know what's interesting about the first two Stoic philosophers, do you know they committed suicide? Isn't that interesting? That, that it, the, these people that generated this idea got to the end of it and said, man, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. And that's what's interesting. These, that's what Paul is, is confronting. Verse 20, for they, they said, you bring some strange things to our ears. We wish to know, therefore, what these things mean. Verse 21, now all the Athenian and the foreigners who live there would spend their time in nothing except telling or hearing something new. So these people are, are searching for meaning and purpose in life. And, and, and now here's what is the difference between Christianity and, and every other religion. Christianity is, is this moment that it describes that meaning is found in this. It's knowing God. Meaning is found in knowing God. That's Christianity. Meaning is found in surrendering to Christ. When I, when I surrender to Christ, that's when I have freedom. That's when I have, have, have hope. 
when I, when I give Jesus control of everything, when I say, Lord, I submit to you, for, uh, that, that meaning is found in, in submitting to the Holy Spirit. God, I'm going to let you lead me. I'm going to let you guide me. That's where meaning is found. And that's what Paul was preaching. Hey, look, the resurrection of Christ followed Jesus. Then look at verse 22. Men of Athens, he says, I perceive that in every way you are very religious. I love this strategy. I love what Paul does. Paul's, he's, he's not walking around like, you're, you're, you're stupid. You're a bunch of idiots. He doesn't say that. He, he's like, I want to connect with these people. I want to connect with them. He, he says, men, men of Athens, I perceive that you're very religious. For as I pass along, I observe the objects of your worship. I found also an altar with the inscription to the unknown God. So, so they're, they're trying to get everything they can. They're trying to include everything they can. So they said, hey, let's just, let's just make sure we get everybody so maybe there's an unknown God out there that we'll just say, okay, we'll worship him so that we'll be all right. But Paul says, look, this unknown God, I want you to know he's, I want to proclaim him to you. I love this. And, and here's, what I, here's what I want us to realize, point number two, very important for us, that as, as we are witnesses for Christ, as we walk with the Lord, you know that God provides opportunities, he provides power he, and words for every one of his ambassadors. Do you know that when you, are, if you say, Lord, help me be a witness, God will provide opportunities, he will provide power, he will provide words for you. He did that for Paul. And here's what I want you to know about the resurrection. I want you to write these down. Two things about the resurrection, because it's why I believe in the resurrection. I want you to realize the resurrection is intellectually credible. It's intellectually credible for you to believe in Jesus. And when, someone, when, a, when an intellectual world, our sophisticated world, looks at us and says, you know, it's foolish for you to believe in Jesus. No, it is intellectually credible for us to believe in Jesus. You do not have to check your brain at the door to follow Christ. Second thing about the resurrection, um, faith in Christ is existentially satisfying. Now, we don't use that word very much, but I want you to think about this. Our faith in Christ is existentially satisfying. What do I mean by that? It works. My faith in Christ works. And, and I meet people all the time that go, you know, I tried Jesus, but it didn't work for me. Well, well when we come to Jesus, we don't try him. We don't come to Jesus to try him. We submit to him. We surrender to him. We don't come to Jesus to try him. And if a preacher gets up and says, hey, try Jesus and see if it works, that's not the gospel message. The gospel message is surrender. Surrender to Jesus. And I'll tell you, that's how life change takes place. Now, here's what's cool about this. And, 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 the, and Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians 1, 18 and 19. He says this, when he wrote to the, the Corinth, which is the place he goes next, which is this region, and he says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved, it's the power of God. And see, the, the intellectual world that we live in, 
this, this, these people that are, that are so smart, that have been to school so long, and, and, and we're sending our children to these college professors that, that in many, if we don't reason with our kids, they will wreck them. They will do their best to destroy their faith. And there are colleges in Oklahoma and all around the world, uh, the nation, that, that we're sending our kids to. And if we don't do a good job reasoning with our kids, helping them understand why we believe in Jesus, we're irresponsible. That's why I want my kids, when they go to college, to be able to say, when a professor says to them, look, it's foolish for you to believe in Jesus, to go, well, wait a minute, time out. It's foolish for me not to. Let me tell you the reason that I believe in Jesus. And I don't care how many degrees you have at the end of your name. There's a reason for my faith. The message of cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to those who are being saved is the power of God. Verse 19, for it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise. The intelligence of the intelligent I will frustrate. And Paul saw that happen. Paul saw these smart guys, these guys that have been to school and said, hey, no, look, there's a reason for my faith. Now, here's what's cool, and I want us to see quickly as we end today, let's just highlight the message because this is a great way to share the gospel. Paul models another way to communicate the gospel to an intellectual. And that's why the the sermon on Mars Hill is so powerful. Um, And and here's what I want us to see. Point number three is this. The salvation message that Paul preaches, it continues to be relevant. This message of salvation is absolutely relevant in 2018 and will be relevant for the rest of history. And that's what I love about it. Let's look at this message. What does Paul say? First point of his message as he goes on through this, starting in verse 24, is this, that there is a creator. Paul looks at these smart people and says, hey boys, I want you to know there's a creator. He says, verse 24, the God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. You know what's interesting about religion? Religion starts with man and goes to God. But you know what God, when you look at the gospel, the gospel starts with God and comes to man. That's the difference. That's the difference between every other religion in the world and Christianity. Uh, Christianity is the moment when God came to man. Religion is man's attempt to get to God. And let me tell you something, that will always be frustrating. That will always be impossible. And so Paul wisely starts with a creator. There's a creator. Every thinking person asks this question, where do I come from? Why am I here? And what's interesting, science attempts to answer that question. Philosophy wrestles with that question. But, but Christianity only has the satisfactory answer to that question. And it's Jesus. We need a Savior. Starts with, there's a creator who, who made himself known. Then, then he said about the creator, point number, the, the second point in his message, this creator is good. And I want you to know that. The world needs to know that, that there is a creator. It started with God, and, and he is good, and he is, uh, it's incredible. He says, verse 25, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he gives himself to all mankind life and breath and everything. And it's interesting, Paul points out, hey boys, the reason you have life, the reason you have breath is that God gave it to you. And I love this, that, um, and, and as, we, as we help the world see, help people see, there's a creator and he's good. 
Romans, Romans 2.4 says, says this, that the, the, it's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. And I love that. Third point in Paul's message here, this creator made himself known. And this is what's so cool about God is, is he didn't just, he, he, he helped us know who, we, who he is. He made himself known to the world. Verse 26, and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined allotted periods and boundaries of their dwelling place, that they should seek God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him. I love this verse, for he, yet he is actually not far from each one of us. Isn't that amazing? That the God of all creation is not far from you. And that's what Paul is saying. He's like, fellas, he's not far from you. And, and, and everybody that we know, everybody we work with, everybody we live around needs to recognize God's not far from them. That's why he's put us here. And, and I pray we're a witness. And, and, and then, he, then Paul does something really, really cool in verse 28. In him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your own poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. Being then God's offspring, we ought to think that divine being is like gold. Or it, we ought not to think that divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of man. You know, what's interesting is Paul quotes right here from Epidermides, and, and he quotes from uh, Aratus and Cleanthenes, these, these philosophers. This would, be the exa- this would be like a preacher getting up and quoting Garth Brooks or Bob Dylan, you know, whatever he writes. He's pretty, he's a trip. Uh, but, 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 you know, he, he's using the, what is popular, what these guys understand. And he's like, look, these philosophers that have thrown these thoughts out here, let me tell you who they're talking about. And then he points out, do you really think, like look how silly it is for you to make something from your own hands and then worship it. Now now we look at that Greek mythology and go, can you believe that they would do that? They would make an idol and go, yeah, I'm going to bow down and worship this thing that I made. But don't we do that all the time? Don't we worship the creation of our own hands, our own sports, our own achievements, our own work? Yeah, we're just like them. And, he, and basically Paul's saying it's, it's foolish to make gods in our own image. And he says, look, guys, you've missed this. God has made us into his image we don't make him into our image. This is the fallacy of mankind. Mankind is making God, and we forget, no, he is making us. And the last point in his message is really cool. He says to, Paul says to these people, look, this creator provided the path for this life and the next. Because Paul's talking about the resurrection, He's like, look, this creator, he's provided a path for this life and the next life. You know, life is short. I stood right here this week and preached a funeral. And, it went, and life goes fast. Whether you live 18 years or 85 years, life goes fast. 
And, and the reality is, Paul says, verse 30, the times of ignorance God overlooked, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which he will judge the world in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed. And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising him from the dead. And Paul again points to the resurrection. Now, this is a great message. This is one we should learn from. This is a great way to share the gospel with someone that's an intellectual. But verse 32, look what happened. Now, when they heard of the resurrection of the dead, and this encourages me. This is so, this ought to encourage all of us. For me as a preacher, as someone that gets up and preaches a lot, this really is encouraging to me. Paul preaches his guts out. He's, 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 he's credible. He is, he's witty. He uses their own, own uh, philosophers. He, he, he's, he's on right here. He does a great job. But look at this, but some mocked. But others said, we will hear you again about this. So Paul went out from their midst. But look at this, some men joined him and believed, among whom were also Dionysus the Areopagite and the woman named Demarius and others with them. Now this is encouraging to me because some rejected him. Some heard his message and rejected him. And, and see, sometimes we're afraid to speak up because we're like, oh, they may reject me. Well, I don't know about you, but there have been most of the time when I talk to someone about Jesus, they reject me. And, and come on, let's not stop talking about Jesus just because someone might reject us. I'm glad Paul didn't do that. They laughed and mocked him. Okay, so what? Um, some reflected on the message. Some of them were like, okay, i got to think about this. And we don't know if they came to Christ later. Or they, i, I got to think about this. And, and I pray that we are the kind of believers that cause people to think. we got to be causing people to think about God, about their life. And Paul says, look, there's a day that you're going to face a judge. The world needs to know that. I mean, man, that's a big moment for every person. We're going to stand before God. That's what Paul is saying. Some rejected the message, but look, some received the message. You, you, you know, I'm telling you, there's going to be a day that we're going to be walking around heaven, and, and, and somebody's going to go, hey, I want you to meet this guy. This is, um, this is Dionysus, the, the Areopagite. You're going to, we're going to be like, hey, cool, I heard your story. Cool, I, we read about you in October. 2018, we studied you. Cool. You know, Paul is pointing to the fact that there's a resurrection. See, we're so afraid of death. One of the things I prayed as we sang today, that really cool song that is a new song that about, I, I, I can't remember now. I got to learn it. I came out of the grave, you know. I ran out of the grave. And as, as we're singing that, I'm like, Lord, would you help us be confident in that moment? Would you help us not freak out about the moment that we walk through that door called death? Because there's a resurrection, folks. Do you know Jesus? Do you know him? Maybe you're a parent today. And, and you're like, Lord, I need your help reasoning with my kids. Come pray for them. 
Come pray for your kids. But also go home and start talking about them, about it. Maybe, you're, maybe you need to get on your knees and say, Lord, I need to be a better witness. This is a way to share the gospel. Paul just outlines it right there. Um, if you don't know Jesus today, let me, let me tell you something. There's going to be a day you stand before God. There's a judge, and we will stand before him. And I don't want you to ever come to our church and not be confronted with this reality that you need to be ready for that moment. And the only way to be ready is to come to Jesus and surrender to him. And you may say, Chris, I've tried Jesus. But, but that's not what salvation is. It's not trying Jesus. It's surrendering to Jesus. Come to him. Come to him.